Welcome back to Beyond the Sectors, your bi-monthly podcast all about the beyond world of author duo Kit Roca. My name is Chelsea. And I'm Anna. And we missed you guys, friends. This is very uh, shaking off the dust. I will speak for myself. I won't speak for Anna, but it definitely <laughs> feels like uh, getting back on the bike after a little while. We have been gone. Anna's been having various RWA adventures. I've been having a baby. We've been doing all sorts of different <laughs> things. Uh, but we are back today to talk about some of the beyond happily ever after uh, interstitial little vignette short fiction ones. Um, we basically kind of split these into things that happen in the beyond books and then things that happen after the Gideon's Rider books so far. Um, and so today we're just going to be talking about the ones that take place after anything that happens in what we've read so far basically is fair game. So if you've been listening along or if you've read those ones but haven't gotten to Gideon's Riders yet or whatever, you won't, you won't be spoiled. You can just keep listening. But we're going to do four short stories today and then we'll do four next time, which we actually skipped one, but that's my fault because I didn't know to read it. So I didn't read it, but <laughs> we'll, we'll have a on bonus one later, one later on. <laughs> I promise. Um, but okay, so should we just uh, start going down the list? Sure. So we're going to start with Creative Incentives. Uh, that's a little short vignette, very sexy between Cruz and Ace and a little bit of Rachel. Uh, it's taking place after Beyond Surrender, and Cruz is basically finding a way to motivate Ace to get through his PT. Um, it's really, really interesting because we, um, as we'll see as we talk about all these stories, um, the way in which Brie and Donna do their world building and which details they choose to include and not include are really interesting. And the the uh, details in this one, both about the family unit that's developing between uh, our, fa- well, my favorite trio. Um, and then also the, um, it's an interesting thought, kind of like the medical aspect or like the medical career based aspect because Ace has recovered, but there's some kind of additional issues of PT if he wants to get back to like where he was before in terms of like his artistry. And so there's this interesting conversation of like, him not wanting to really do that but having to do that and they're all kind of readjusting to this world where they have the time to worry about it Mm -hmm, mm because they don't have to worry about the other things anymore it's also really hot like it's really hot (laughs) it's really good for me as an individual reader it's really good oh it was funny to reread this uh right now while my husband is doing pt he was injured a few months ago and I hadn't know, even thought of that. That it, would be a like a weird little real life thing to have in mind. Like, well, I am certainly not up to Cruz levels of creative incentives. Yeah, um, let's hope his personal trainers aren't quite going to those <laughs> legs. But yeah, it definitely is a incentivizing to Ace. That's yeah, for sure. You know, so it was very interesting to just read that with that context and see, you know, yeah. Uh, Ace is bored. He'd rather be cuddled up in bed with his lovers, not getting up and doing really boring and honestly painful stuff. And I think so it's it's a real intimate look at how their their sexuality plays into their relationship and the fact that Ace is going to always be a little bit lazier and a little bit more ready to just Oh, chill, it's going to be fine. And Cruz is like, no, let's push for, for perfection. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Rachel comes in at the end and is just in such awe of both of them that it just is the perfect little ending to everything. I love this vignette. The interesting things about these vignettes is that um, Brie and Donna actually let like their patrons, their patrons vote 
on them. So like if you're unfamiliar with Patreon, it's a it's a money sourcing platform where you can support people who like creators you're a fan of. And they have let the people supporting them vote on these kind of different monthly vignettes. And I was so excited to see that uh, these guys were going to be the first one. And then I also think it's really interesting that it's primarily an Ace and Cruz vignette because I know that that's something that Brie and Donna have kind of like had come up for them before in terms of fans or readers wanting more of that in a way that's really like exclusionary. So it was really, really, really wonderful to see them have a moment that's between the two of them, but that also so heavily features Rachel, even if she's not on the page, that at no point in time were we allowed to like forget or yeah, or anybody was neglected or anything like that. I had a conversation with someone about this whole dynamic at RWA with somebody who's a queer reader who just didn't know like how queer are the beyond books and I'm like well they're very queer and they had heard that you know that they had that Brie and Donna had said that they wouldn't just write an MM so she had taken it like a doesn't like there's touch no that I was like no no no, no yeah. let me give you context it's because so many fans had basically like get Rachel out of there and give us just Cruz and Ace. And they, she's, they're like, no, Rachel's an integral part of this relationship. And so like, yeah, even though Rachel's not on the page for, I would say 70% of this little vignette, she is in their hearts and in their brains. So it's about getting back to Rachel. It's the tease of I have her waiting for you that drives Ace's um motivation there and then when she comes in she's just watching and is so tender and there's not of the like a feeling of like you guys started without me or like I'm excluded it's just like affection and love and it that's what I read these books for you know that there's they're they're a family there just isn't that that like you said there's just not that jealousy there's that she's completely comfortable with the fact that they are together without her knowing in her heart that they it will not always be that way and that those combinations will shift and mix and there will be times where she's with one of them and not the other. And it just is not an issue for their family dynamic. I also really love this short because as much as we get all three of them and Brie and Donna do a wonderful job of balancing that out in the books, I always feel like we can get a little bit more of Cruz. Cruz always feels like the one who's the most closed off and we still don't ever get as much from him as we do you know, Ace or Rachel or these other, whereas in this story, I feel like this is very much a cruise centric story. We are in his head with his thought process and we get to see how much he's really grown in the acceptance of love from these people and in his comfort in his family unit and in the kind of okanes in general and all of these things. And it's just really, I love that. Anytime we get to be just with those characters that I feel still are kind of closed off just because of the characters they are anytime we get to be in their heads I always really enjoy it yeah because it's so much for him about this is why he's there he's there to protect and to push and to take care of and that he feels that privilege of having that in their life you know um so yeah it's beautiful because uh, yeah ace shows up in all, all, all sorts of other people's stories and rachel is always in somebody's business so it's nice to to see Cruz who you know, other than uh, occasionally attack people who are going to hurt her, his people, so mm. he keeps to himself. It was really nice. Um, okay. Anything else? Any other major thoughts or anything? Or are we no, good no, to... that's, that's, I think, okay. it for creative incentives. Okay, perfect. Well, then we will move on to Cravings. This is a Jas Noel vignette that takes place while Noel 
is pregnant. And so um, it is very much so just the two of them kind of prepping their new life and new home and new family for this uh, addition. And it's really sweet. Um, It was interesting reading this one right after reading Creative Incentives because the heat levels on these two vary so extremely, but they're both still such satisfying reads and such like they feel so complete for the the relationships that they're focused on that I just really like it yeah so I mean this one takes up according to the little tag beyond before beyond forever so that just sort of gives you beyond forever is one of the novellas that are post HEA in the beyond universe uh one of two that we'll get to eventually but um yeah, so she's pregnant and she's coming home from working in her new office and you see her sort of going to their new suite, you know, so you see like a, how things have changed post Beyond Surrender. Um, but I, yeah, I do love that she sort of surprises Jazz as he's painting um, instead of having like Ace come in and paint, you know, he's doing this terrible woodland creatures on the wall and it's just uh, like it's such a catnip that like trope or that scene or that thing where like somebody is doing something that they know they are bad at but they just are gonna do it anyway because of like the meaning behind it and just like to see jazz have that moment where he just like he knows it's bad and he's kind of like talking shit on it but still like you can tell he's kind of proud of it it's just very very sweet and like as much as i love jazz and noel i do not exactly associate like sweet cuddly awe moments with jazz and so to see that in particular was was really nice was really interesting i mean it was just so sweet too because i mean there's going to be a callback to this and another of the stories um one of the main things is for jazz jazz like six uh grew up on a farm so they grew up around babies and children and all that kind of stuff but didn't grow up around family because those were like money-making units you know and so this is very intentionally he is trying to build a family with Noel and preparing for their baby in a fatherly way you know and he's gonna bumble it and he's not you know but he's making himself vulnerable by putting his art out there right by putting his mark on the wall and I just think it's really interesting there's one little line where um Noel's kind of talking about how she needs to maybe be more accepting of Lily kind of or more asking of things and it just gets into this idea of the ways that different people feel validated in their affection and she mentions that both Lily and Jas are the kind of people who feel most loved and appreciated when they feel like they're offering something that no one else can offer which is just a very Enneagram 2 thing to do and as a fellow 2 I just felt like very seen and very like appreciated in that moment but it just to me was a little uh, an illustration of in, in less than 3,000 words, the amount that Brie and Donna are able to do in terms of both world and character building while also giving these really satisfying, like, kind of tropey, just like little bites of story. I just, it's just so good. Like, damn, it's just so good. Yeah, and, you know, it, and it takes a little thing like, you know, everybody's read craving stories around pregnancies and stuff. And yeah, she gets these wonderful waffle fries from Lily. But that's really not it's it's about the family the fact that they're you know they they're choosing the name for their baby in this one too um 
Which, like, how sweet. <laughs> what a good name. Okay, if you yeah. haven't read it and you really don't want any spoilers, like, hit your 30-second skip button. But the fact that they're going to name the baby after Declan, both Declan and Lex, like, together is just... Because I just want to... St- now I want the little story where they tell Lex oh, and Dallas that they're going to name their baby huddles. after them. <laughs> because, like... There's so many ways that could go, but they're all really good ways. But yeah, it's just, it's such a sweet, and they have that really nice conversation about names as legacy and names as family and recognition of family and how, and for a first second, I was wondering if they were going to name the baby Flash, but when they didn't, when they went and when they chose, it was just as impactful but in a very different kind of way because a different kind of memorial or a memorial to a different kind of family and so I just it was very good this whole story very good for me so any other thoughts on cravings no I just no I think we're good okay so let's move on to dessert this is a little vignette uh, between Jenny and Hawk they're in their farmhouse they're saying goodbye to some visitors which apparently is just become a regular Sunday thing people drop in for dinner it's just a little sort of like shot of domestic bliss for Jenny Mm -hmm. and Hawk and then they have sex on the kitchen table and it's great (laughs) (laughs) because it's Brie and Donna and that's how domestic bliss goes for Hawk and Jenny but yeah it's really um it was interesting. One of the things that stuck out to me reading this short is that, and again, we talked about this a little bit when we talked about Hawk and Jenny's book, but um, she calls him her husband, which like totally normal word, right? Totally word that we use all the time but in our world to describe our, yeah, but in this world, not a world that you hear, like not a word like that I mean, people usually Noelle call each other. So when she it's called like him that, I was just Noelle, like, you know? I was just like, oh, yeah, like they call each other by their names or their partners or whatever, but like. Husband is only a word that Hawk and Jenny use because they're the only ones who have had that kind of like traditional, quote, old world pre-flare kind of wedding. But yeah, so reading at that time and them having that little like back and forth in what would normally have just seemed so kind of, um, quote, normal or just so kind of uh, stereotypical and like a contemporary would have been was just so much more impactful in this world because it's so different than the norm i like i don't know if there's a point i'm trying to make other than just like it was an interesting little piece of world building that again i sometimes forget like this is the only couple that went through that kind of like what we think of as like a traditional marriage kind of structure yeah and it's such a sweet little moment that they have and i mean it's just like a little pet name and a normal thing for them um and so i just love seeing that domesticity for them because their relationship was forged in war uh and you know to get them to see them after it's it's really important i think in a way that especially for them later in the series like one of the people who haven't gotten uh after stories writer and nessa and i would love to see one for them too for the same reasons because their relationship's so caught up in war um and for me, I always love also seeing um, Ayla being there uh, with Big John and uh, sort of a hint of romance, maybe some uh, 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 some touches here and there that Jenny is he, noticing. He like, helps her into the car, like puts a hand on her back and Jenny kind of is like got eyes out from the porch and is like, I see you, Big John, <laughs> which like reading that book and when um, is it? 
Shep? What's his name? Ship, yeah. Ship, yeah. When he, you know, when he ends up dying, you know, it's not like I ship Alyo with anybody, but you do get, even in that book, this very deep bond that is between Big John and Alya. And it is very easy to understand how now in this kind of post-war world where things are different and they have different focuses and intentions where they have allowed that relationship to kind of shift a little bit. But yeah, it's a, it's a very small moment that indicates growth and kind of, you know, the relationships and and the people who are off screen. I want people to grieve, but that they can have life again. And that that's part of the new life after the war, right? People are going to make new relationships, find new comforts, maybe have friendships blossom into something else. Um, So for me, that's too. I mean, it was like a paragraph, but it's still such a special little note. And I like that while Hawk is like a little disbelieving, his like gut instinct isn't necessarily like um, anger or resentment or any of those things that we might kind of assume might be someone's first like initial reaction and hearing that their mom is quote unquote moving on from essentially like their father figure. And so I just really like the way that the reactions there are handled. Uh, and then the dirty talk is just really good. And that's the that's the craziest thing about Brie and Donna is that they're able to do both kind of on the turn of a dime is they're able to set up this really sweet story and expansive universe and then also do really hot like dirty talk kitchen table sex within the same like 3,000 words <laughs> very impressive yeah and I mean like we mentioned the beginning all of these are available on their website um, the ones that we're talking about today are available to all readers because after six months of being on Patreon, they make them available to everybody. So if you haven't read them, go read them. They're cute. Go read them now. And, and we have one more to talk about. Are you, that wraps yes. up dessert? Okay. And then we're going to finish today talking about Ravished, which is a Finn and Tricks vignette uh, where basically Finn watches Tricks dance and then they go to try and get ready for a Halloween party to like varying degrees of success. And it's just another very sweet... I think sweet... Finn considers it a success. Oh, I'm, and I'm pretty sure Trix <laughs> considers it mostly a success, too, by the end of the night. Uh, it's it's more if they got actually got to the Halloween party that ends up becoming how successful they were. Um, but this is... I love Finn and Trix. Trix is maybe one of, like, my low-key favorite heroines, who I feel like sometimes kind of gets, like, not forgotten, but, like, brushed a little bit, like, to the back in people's minds. But I absolutely love her, and I love that in this particular scene... Um, Finn talks about how she's kind of changed up her dance and gone back to a very much so more like burlesque style striptease, which was counter to what she's been doing previous to where we see her in this um, vignette. And so I just really love because that's what I love so much about Trix is I associate her so much with like the peacocks and the fans and the feathers and that opulence and stuff Mm -hmm. and all of that, which is, you know, makes it kind of extra nice to get to see that. And then also it's Halloween, which I thought was interesting. Because it means that they still celebrate Halloween post-Flare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have not gotten a lot of like a conversation of like traditionally celebrated like holidays. Yeah. I think this might be the first one. So that's interesting. Yeah, that that is interesting. And I wonder how much more some of the holidays are practiced in places like 6 and 7 that kept sort of 
a more traditional lifestyle. That's fair. Um, That's but, really interesting. Yeah, so th- this is Nessa's Halloween party. And I can imagine Nessa hearing about Halloween and saying, this is something we need to bring back. Oh, because, for sure. You know, <laughs> getting everybody to dress up. Yeah, you can see that that would be something that she wants. So, yeah, I love the she does that burlesque behind the behind the barrier, you know, the I don't screen know, or whatever. The screen, mm-hmm. So it's a shadow burlesque and then a fan dance and they t- this is a way also showing off the new uh, broken circle because again this sort of takes up after the broken circle has been rebuilt and so they have he's getting has prime view of her behind the screen so it's like a private dance for him too so there's that interplay in their relationship where he can give her all the space and freedom for her expression and her you know sexuality and also enjoy it privately um and then they get to go hide out in her dressing room which i love that she gets like a traditional old school hollywood like star on the door with her name on it like dress it like i really love that it because of the way that they've structured the world and the flair and then this war that Bri and Donna are able to bring in so many things that are familiar cultural touchstones, but they feel so new and they feel reinvented or redistributed or rebrought up because for these people, they would be. And this is a new, this is a kitsch and a throwback to a world they actually don't know. So it's so interesting to see how those little details feel so fresh and so new. Yeah. So I love the little role play, you know, that they do because uh, she wants him to dress up as a pirate. And Finn, you know, he's never out of his suit. So he's a little skeptical about this. Um but he can get into playing the pirate just fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then there's lots of talk of pillaging and plundering <laughs> and taking. I did love the little touch at the end where it's not like he's not just going to dress up as a pirate. She's also going to put on the smudgy eyeliner <laughs> and like she promises him no lipstick or blush. But like she's going to mess. She, she wants to braid his beard, which I just... <laughs> I just it was I, that was a really wonderful touch, both for like a pirate and then also trying to picture Finn with this like braided, like <laughs> Scott Ian beard was just a really great image. And I really I think the interesting thing is that when we get to the end of this story, there's there's a line from Finn and there's also very much this feeling of like together in spite of everything. And I feel like that's like something you could say about basically every couple that we meet over the course of this series, whether that everything is interrelationship y or in the world that happened and everything. And so it just each one of these vignettes feels like such a nice little like last tiny piece of this big puzzle that's been building for so long. Right. It's like sort of the capturing of the hope uh that they've been fighting for the things that they've been trying to build and they're getting to enjoy that the only thing i wish and i really hope we have one coming is that we've seen in almost all of these shorts so far some mention of jared and lily and building the new and and so i really hope and i'm sure i'm sure brie and donna have lots of plans for every thing i'm sure they've got a whole bank vault full but i hope somewhere soon on the list we get a jared and lily little vignette update thing but i know there's there's a geo one because mm-hmm. yes. I had made a comment about it and she's like, well, there's one on the Patreon. I'm like, okay. So yep. eventually there's one that we inspired. <laughs> she's very specifically said that after our episode, she was talking to people and like, you know, just saying. I mean, not to <laughs> not to throw up my shoulder patting us on the back, but I'm just saying. All right, friends, that wraps up what we're going to talk about for today. Um, the next set of stories we're going to do 
three of the four are currently available to read for the public. The last one, Flash, is still behind the paywall. So you have to be, I believe it's a $15 yeah, $15 a month. month. Yeah. $15 a month donor. Um, we do apologize. We are going to work as much as possible to only talk about the content that is available like widely. But this story is really... It's worth discussing it, and being... It's worth discussing. But it's, we'll it's, do it at the end of the episode. So if you want to hold off till it becomes available for free, you can always do that too. Yeah. And we will, def- we will have timestamps available in the show notes for the next time as well. But we will be talking about efficient, fierce protector, a little bit bad, and flash. So those first three are available on the website, which we will have linked in today's show notes. So you can read all the stories that are up there and available. And then Flash is still behind the paywall. But if you'd like to wait, you can skip it. Uh, yeah. But otherwise, do you want to tell them where they can find us on the Internet, Anna? Yeah, you can find us at BeyondTheSectors.com and on Twitter at BeyondSectors. Awesome. Let me swallow my coffee real quick. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at An Outlaw Life. And you can find me as Anna Koki. And until next time, friends, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and we'll see you beyond the sectors. Bye, guys. Bye. That was fun. <laughs>